Welcome to the Locked On Sooners Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, John Hoover. It is Locked On Sooners, your daily Oklahoma Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm John Hoover, and for the next 30 minutes, I am in your ear. It's Thursday, October 17th. We do this every day. If you call yourself a Sooner fan, well, then you need to tell your friends, tell your family, heck, tell your cockatoo that you are locked on Sooners. Again, I'm John Hoover from 1077 The Franchise in Oklahoma City, 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Read my OU coverage and more at thefranchiseok.com or my Big 12 coverage at sportingnews.com. I'm at all the games, I'm at all the press conferences, I go to all the interviews, and I bring it all to you right here every day in the Locked On Sooners podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at John E. Hoover. You can find me on Facebook at John E. Hoover Media. And for all the OU press conference videos, interviews, analysis, and a heck of a lot more, subscribe to my YouTube channel at John Hoover. And don't forget to follow Locked On Sooners on Twitter at, you ready? Locked On Sooners. Easy. It's Thursday, so today you get the watch list. That's three players to watch for OU, three players to watch for West Virginia. We visit the Sooners around the NFL, and I have a special edition for you today in that segment. And of course, you can't go to battle if you don't know your enemy. We got a ton of stuff to get to, so let's get this thing started. First things first, OU takes on West Virginia at 11 a.m. Saturday in Norman. The game is on Big Fox, again, if you're staying home. I'll be up in the press box. OU is 6-0 overall and 3-0 in Big 12 play, while West Virginia comes in at 3-3, and one and two. Sooners are ranked number five this week. OU coming off that massive 34-27 win over Texas, while West Virginia lost at home last week, 38-14 to Iowa State, and now they've lost two in a row. OU leads the all-time series 9-2. Sooners are going to wear their alternate Rough Rider uniforms for this one, so have fun with that. Let's jump straight into it. Whether you're going to watch this game on TV or you're going to watch it from the seats at Owen Field, it helps to know who to watch. The Watch List. Let's start with West Virginia. This one's really easy. Austin Kendall. Austin Kendall, the former Oklahoma quarterback who wanted out of Norman after Jalen Hurts transferred in and uh, easily, obviously, won the job in the spring. Austin Kendall decided where he wanted to go was West Virginia. Remember, he's from North Carolina, so getting back to West Virginia, close to home, close to family, seemed like a good fit, but at first, Lincoln Riley wouldn't grant him his release, wouldn't his scholarship release. That means that he could walk on at West Virginia, but not be eligible to play right away. Well, Lincoln Riley eventually, he took some criticism. It was his first big personnel decision about, you know, whether to grant a guy eligibility, immediate eligibility, or hold on to his to a scholarship release. He took some criticism for the first time in his head coaching career, and within a couple of days, he decided to change his mind. He let Austin transfer without restriction, and uh, Kendall came in and kind of won the preseason job during the offseason, during the preseason. He won the starting job, beat out Jack Allison, who transferred in from Miami. Austin was a grad transfer, of course. Jack Allison was a transfer last year from Miami. And Austin has been pretty so-so during the early part of the season, the first half of the season. He's 126 of 191. That's 66%. He's got 1,247 yards passing, nine touchdowns, not bad, but seven interceptions. He's averaging 207.8 yards per game. And his efficiency rating because of the interceptions is 129.03. Now, by comparison, Jalen Hurts' efficiency rating, 215. So Austin Kendall's efficiency rating does not show up on the Big 12's top 10 quarterbacks. So like I said, he's been up, he's been down, 
He's had some uh, difficulties, but he's also had some success. Of course, the most difficult thing he's had to deal with so far was an injury last week against Iowa State. In a 38-14 loss at home to the Cyclones, Austin Kendall got hurt on the first series. Some kind of chest injuries, kind of undisclosed, or keeping it close to the vest, so to speak. Uh, but he did not return to that game. And Neil Brown, the head coach at West Virginia, said that he's questionable for this week. That's too bad for Austin. I know he wanted to play in this game. I know he wanted to come back and, you know, start against the Sooners and throw, throw some touchdown passes and, and that kind of thing. So personally for him, it's a very challenging, very difficult time. Neil Brown said he would make an announcement if Austin Kendall would play or not play. But he also said earlier in the week that he won't play if he's not 100%. So hopefully Austin gets to play. I, w- I for one, would like to watch him play in this game. The number two player for West Virginia to watch is actually two players. I know, I cheated again. It's the Stills boys, Dante Stills and Darius Stills. They are brothers, and they both play defensive line. They both start or have started right next to each other. It's a pretty cool story. Darius Stills is among the national leaders at with eight and a half tackles for loss, and Dante Stills is right behind him at six and a half tackles for loss. They both lead the West Virginia Mountaineers right now with four quarterback sacks. Both guys are playing extremely well up front. One's the nose guard, the other one's the defensive tackle. They're pretty much interchangeable, but uh, they are they have both been fantastic. Dante Stills has three forced fumbles in his career and seven quarterback sacks. If you combine their career totals, they both have 25 tackles for loss. Those guys are really good football players, and they're going to be really disruptive against an Oklahoma offensive line that, remember, last week got two starters back from injury at the offensive tackle spots, both the Adrian Ely on the right side, Eric Swenson on the left. Those guys, Lincoln Riley said they're going to continue to progress this week, so their progression this week needs to happen fast because they're going up against two really good defensive linemen. The third West Virginia player to watch is cornerback Keith Washington. Keith Washington has three interceptions so far this season. Leads the team, obviously. He's got six passes broken up, six PBUs. So he's very active cornerback. He's only got 11 tackles on the season, but that's not really what they ask their cornerbacks to do. So he's been covering well. He's been pretty electrifying in, in some measure. If you've, if you've seen him play this year, if you've seen West Virginia play, you've seen Keith Washington jump up and stand out. He's a really good player. Problem is... Like Austin Kendall, he's injured. He's questionable for this week. Without him on the field, I think Oklahoma would be able to really, really exploit the passing game. Not that they haven't been uh, or won't be able to, but you take one of the best cover corners off the field in Keith Washington, Jalen Hurts is going to have a lot more time and a lot more space to get the football down the field into windows that might not be so tight without Keith Washington out there. Keith Washington is a fifth-year senior. He's sixth in the nation right now in interceptions. He didn't play last week against Iowa State because of the injury, and you saw Brock Purdy and the Iowa State offense start to exploit that a little bit as the as the Cyclones pulled away in the fourth quarter. He was replaced by Nick Troy Fortune, a freshman, a true freshman out of Georgia. Fortune is a good player. He's going to be a, probably a, a real good player in the Big 12, but he's a true freshman. He's just not ready for that stage yet. So if he's the starting cornerback against the Sooners on Saturday, could be a long day for the West Virginia defense. All right, now let's find three Sooners to watch. First one, again, easy, especially after coming off of talking about Keith Washington. It's Jalen Hurts. I want to watch Jalen Hurts and see if he's still playing at that magic level like he was the first part of the season. You know, the Texas secondary wasn't very good. The Kansas secondary wasn't very good. And yet he had his season low against both opponents. 235 yards passing against Texas, 228 against Kansas. 
You saw after four straight weeks a passer rating of 245. You saw his passer efficiency rating drop to 165 against Kansas, 155 against Texas. You also saw Jalen be a little bit loose with the football in back-to-back weeks. Against Kansas, he threw a pass under pressure that could have been intercepted by a defensive end, and he threw another one that should have been intercepted for a touchdown by the strong safety. Then against Texas, he threw three passes that could have been intercepted. One actually was, one should have been, and one might have been. His completion percentage dropped from 87 to 77 to 75 to 70 to 66 against KU to 57 against Texas. I've said it before, I don't think Jalen Hurts can win the Heisman Trophy with a spectacular game against West Virginia, but I do think he can lose the Heisman Trophy with a bad game against the Mountaineers. And let's not forget, West Virginia's pass defense is actually kind of the strength of their team. They're fourth in the Big 12 in pass defense, 207.7 yards per game, and sixth in the Big 12 in pass efficiency defense, that rating 130.6. They've given up 11 touchdown passes and taken away four interceptions this season. Opposing quarterbacks are only completing 59% of their passes against the Mountaineers this year. So West Virginia is doing some things on defense, especially in the pass game. Jalen Hurts needs to be a little more secure with the football. My second Sooner to watch is, uh, it's two, I know. Hey, it's my podcast, I can cheat if I want. It's the safety position. Delaren Turner-Yell and Pat Fields have been playing really, really well the last couple of weeks. When the season started, everybody said, for the most part, that the safety position was the weak link. And I think what Alex Grinch was wanting to accomplish was he wanted to get more people in, more competition at that position. The competition behind those guys never arose. So so they've not only held on to their jobs, they've been forced to play a lot of snaps because the guys behind them, for one reason or the other, according to Alex Grinch, they weren't ready to come in and contribute. So last week against Texas, we saw DeLaren Turner-Yell turn in a career-high nine solo tackles. He finished the day with 10 total tackles, and Pat Fields had seven tackles. It's a big day for both those safeties, and for the second week in a row, you saw Pat Fields come off of a delayed blitz. He watched his man, the running back, step up into the mesh to block, and that was he had the green light right there to get after the quarterback both times. He brought the quarterback down for a sack, and it turned out to be a big play. Both guys have been good in coverage, and they've been great, for the most part, at tackling lately. And you know what? If you thought I waffled on the safety position, you're really going to not like this one. My third Sooner to watch is the entire offensive line. And this goes back to the Stills brothers up front for the defensive line for West Virginia. You saw Adrian Ely on the right side and Eric Swenson on the left side really kind of step up what Lincoln Riley described as gutted out. They had a gutsy performance against the Longhorns. They were still hurting last week, apparently. And so they're hoping that they're 100% healthy this week, not just the tackles, but you'd like to see the uh, you'd like to see Tyrese Robinson for instance have a big strong game. You'd like to see Marquise Hayes have a dominant type performance on the inside there against the the Stills brothers. And then Creed Humphrey, the sophomore captain there, he needs to have a great game as well because Vic Koenig, the uh, defensive coordinator for Neil Brown in West Virginia, he's going to try his absolute best to cause confusion and chaos up front to get to Jalen Hurts and create some of that pressure that might result in some turnovers. So Creed Humphrey needs a clean game. He needs to be strong up front. He's going against some of the best, so it's going to be a big game for the entire OU offensive line. Coming up next on the Locked On Sooners podcast, we're going to visit your favorite NFL players, Sooners in the NFL. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and 
Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Sooners Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Last Sunday was a fun day for some in the National Football League. Some, not so much. Sooners in the NFL. For the second week in a row, my Sooner NFL Player of the Week, none other than Kyler Murray. In a 34-33 win over Atlanta, Kyler went 27-37 of 37 for 340 yards, 3 touchdowns, 11 carries for 32 rushing yards, and he engineered the late touchdown drive that put them ahead. And Sooner fans who watch the game will note that after one of his big plays, Kyler flashed the horns down. So let's go alphabetical. In Baltimore, 23-17 win over Cincinnati. Hollywood Brown did not play, and that meant more catches for Mark Andrews. Hollywood had the uh, ankle injury, but Mark Andrews led the team with six catches for 99 yards. Great game for Mark Andrews, but lost a fumble. Orlando Brown started at right tackle and paved the way for 269 rushing yards. The Ravens averaged 6.3 yards per carry. Remarkable. And uh, he was part of an offensive line that gave up only just one sack of Lamar Jackson. In Carolina, the Panthers got a 37-26 win over Tampa Bay, partly because Darrell Williams started at left tackle. The offense was okay, but mostly because Gerald McCoy had two and a half quarterback sacks against his old team. He hit Jameis Winston four times. He had one PBU. Gerald McCoy was fantastic in a uh, what he would call a revenge game. In Cincinnati, in that 23-17 loss to Baltimore, Joe Mixon had eight rushes for 10 yards, also caught two passes for 29 yards. Samaj Piran played special teams, and Jordan Evans played on both defense and special teams. Cleveland's nightmares continue in a 32-28 loss to Seattle. Baker Mayfield goes 22 of 37 for 249 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. He currently leads the NFL with 11 interceptions to go with five touchdowns. Not a good start to the season for Baker by any means, especially for someone who came in with that kind of hype and was largely a pick to go to the playoffs, even a a potential Super Bowl contender. Before we move on, I want to get to something that Ryan Leaf said on the Rich Eisen show. Ryan Leaf, you know, people would say, well, what what does he matter? He was a bust. He was a a drug addict. He's been a convicted felon, whatever. This is a guy who had those mountaintop type expectations and fell real, real hard. Not saying Baker's there, but Ryan Leaf could offer some advice to Baker Mayfield. Here's what he said on the Rich Eisen Show. When things start to go bad, you've put yourself out there in this form and people can easily attack it. I have a very small sample size, 2-0 to start my NFL career, talking a lot of smack. And then I walk into Kansas City and put up the worst football game of my existence. And I've always been this brash, arrogant kind of guy. That's the way I came back at everybody instead of just walking up in front of the camera and going, oh, my God, this was my fault. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure it doesn't happen again. And hearing Baker yesterday, even though small, blame the officials for some calls is problematic for me. Because as the quarterback, you want to be able to stand up in front of everybody and and take personal accountability. Baker also had four runs for 35 yards and a rushing touchdown. But he also got a little bit of a slight hip injury as well. Austin Seibert did not attempt any field goals. He's still perfect on the season, but he did miss his second PAT of the year. In Denver's 16-0 win over Tennessee, Corey Nelson had a special teams tackle. 
Jacksonville in a 13-6 loss to New Orleans. D.D. Westbrook had three catches for 53 yards. And Kansas City in a 31-24 loss to Houston. Damian Williams had one rush for six yards, one catch for 14 yards. It was a touchdown to put Kansas City up 17-3 early in that game, but the Chiefs went on to lose. Blake Bell also played in that game against the Texans, did not record any stats, and James Winchester was perfect on five place kick snaps and three punt snaps. And in Miami, 17-16 loss to Washington, Stephen Parker had one tackle. In New York, Sterling Shepard did not play because of a concussion, so that'll be something to keep an eye on the rest of the season. Hopefully he can get past that thing safely and quickly. And in Washington, Adrian Peterson had a huge breakout game, 23 carries, 118 yards. He also had two catches for 18 yards in that 17-16 win over Miami. And Tressway, great as always, seven punts, 45-yard punting average. I went through the Sooners in the NFL really quickly because I wanted to get to the little bonus content that I promised you early on in the show. It's the XFL. It's the XFL draft. The Sooners were very well represented in the XFL draft yesterday. Nine Sooners overall have either been drafted or assigned to teams. Here you go. Ready? I'm sure you've already picked your favorite XFL team already, and it's more than likely the Dallas Renegades. Yeah. Bob Stoops went deep, deep, deep on the uh, former Sooners. He got Landry Jones assigned to him. I think Landry Jones is going to be great in the XFL. His first round draft pick was Jeff Bidette, the wide receiver. Bob Stoops also got Dimitri Flowers, the running back slash H-back slash fullback slash tight end. Later on, he got Frank Alexander, the big defensive end who played forever with the Carolina Panthers. And this one actually really, truly shocked me. Ryan Broyles was drafted in what the XFL calls the open phase of its draft. Ryan Broyles was a fantastic college receiver, and I thought he was going to be a terrific pro in the National Football League, but multiple knee injuries wrecked his NFL hopes. Here's what surprises me the most about it. He's been out of football for five or six years now. Ryan Broyles is now 31 years old, and the last time he played was 2014. And he's going to go back with, you know, a couple of bad knee injuries. He's going to go back to playing football on the XFL level for his old coach. I'm sure he misses the game. But you guys remember the story out of Detroit about his wife being in charge of their finances and they were living in Detroit on something like $40,000 a year and he was saving all his money and investing everything safely, you know, signing bonus and all that stuff. Well, Ryan Broyles is ready to play football again. I hope it works out for him. I think he was a tremendous receiver when he played. I would love, 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 love to see a guy at his age, at his advanced years, at this stage of his quote-unquote football career, get a second shot and have some fun with it and make some plays. That'd be fun as heck. The Houston Roughnecks picked up Jalen Saunders in the seventh round. He's been in the NFL. He's been in the CFL. He, he had a great stay in the CFL. The Tampa Bay Vipers got a couple of former Sooners. Emmanuel Beal, the linebacker slash defensive end, remember former Big 12 player of the year, I think. He was uh, picked in the sixth round by Tampa Bay. And he's been out of the game a while as well. Demontre Hurst was in the NFL for a little while. He got picked by the Tampa Bay Vipers in round three. And then Devontae Lampkin, remember the big defensive tackle who transferred from Texas and then skipped his senior year to go pro. Well, he's in the XFL now. He was drafted by the D.C. Defenders in the open phase of the draft. So good luck to all those former Sooners exploring their new options in professional football. Up next on the Locked On Sooners podcast, you're going to need to know your enemy. So we're going to hear from West Virginia coach Neil Brown. You know, by all accounts, Neil Brown is a very likable guy. Everybody who comes in contact with him seems to like him. He's from Danville, Kentucky. He played college football at UMass. He was a wide receiver. Got a lovely family. 
was previously a head coach at Troy, was offensive coordinator at Kentucky and Texas Tech. But this week, Sooner fans, he's not your friend. Know your enemy. Okay, first, Neil Brown is a good dude. I've met him. I interviewed him at Big 12 Media Days. He could not have been friendlier. But he's going through some things right now, personnel issues. Found out that uh, he's got a player who wants out, wants to enter the transfer portal, in addition to a load of injuries that he's having to deal with. Here's Neil Brown on Tuesday. I want to start off, I want to touch base on Tevin Bush. Tevin Tevin and I met earlier today. Um, he, he, he's had a rough few months. Um, Tevin's a good kid. Um, he's, de- he's been dealing with some lingering foot and, and heel issues. Uh, he, he's not available to play. Um, but he and I met today and uh, really made a de- he's made the decision he's going to enter the transfer portal at this time. Uh, I support that decision that preserves his redshirt year. Uh, he wants to go closer to home. And uh, that's 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 it. And I support him, and and we'll help him uh, achieve that goal. Um, injury related news: Vandarius Cowan uh, suffered a knee injury. He'll have surgery next week. He'll be out for the season. Um, Keith Washington is still qu- uh, questionable for this game. Um, he moved around a little bit yesterday in practice, uh, but I would I would still deem him questionable. Uh, Austin threw a little bit yesterday. Uh, he'll throw again today. Um, he is questionable. Uh, if he's going to play, I will let you all know. Um, but I would say he's definitely questionable at this time. We will not play him unless he's 100%. Hopefully Austin Kendall gets to play on Saturday. I think that would be a, a sad irony if he doesn't. But here's what Neil Brown said about Lincoln Riley and the job he's done as the OU head coach so far. I think Lincoln's done a, a tremendous job there. You know, people talk that's one of the premier jobs in the country. and But – I think it's also a really difficult job, and he got it. Uh, he's following a legend there in Bob Stoops, and I got a lot of respect for how he's handled that. And if you look at their football team, they've got a complete football team. They're playing well in all three phases right now. I think he's done a great job of putting together a staff. And uh, so a lot of respect for what he's done there. Obviously, his record speaks for itself. Neil Brown was also very complimentary about Jalen Hurts and the Oklahoma offense. Here's what he said. Start offensively. They're the number one offense in the country. They've been right there at the top. Uh, two Heisman Trophy winners in a row. Um, some of the numbers look like stuff that our, that our players play on Madden. You know, they got 9.6 yards per play, 335 passing, 286 rushing. Just, you know, it's good. It, it, I would say probably the best offense in the country. That Obviously, with those numbers, that goes without saying. He's put together a great offense staff. Bill Beanbow, who was here as an offensive line coach, thinks he's he does as good a job as anybody in the country. Kale Gundy's been there for a lot of years. And, and coached a, a lot of big-time players at Oklahoma. You know, Dennis Simmons, he's had a, a, a number of big-time wideouts. And that leads me to you start off with, you know, C.D. Lamb. You know, I had somebody ask me about him on the teleconference yesterday. You know, probably the best accolade, if, if there's somebody better playing the receiver position better in the country right now, I haven't seen him. Uh, and I don't watch as probably much college football as maybe even some people in this room. I'm watching coaches copy, but I haven't seen anybody that's that's playing at as high levels he has. He, he breaks tackles. He gets open. Obviously, Jalen Hurts gets a lot of publicity, and, and, and deservingly so. He's running the ball well. Uh, he's got that offense uh, really rolling right now. And in their offensive line, even though they're they're coming back and replacing a lot of starters off last year's group, they're playing at a high level, and they've got depth at running back. So – I'm not telling you anything that anybody in this room doesn't already know they're good on offense. 
And guess what? Neil Brown watched film of Oklahoma's performance against Texas. And just like me, and just like you, I know, he realized the story of that game was the Oklahoma defense. The story of the season so far has been the Oklahoma defense. Here's Neil Brown on Alex Grinch's rebuild of the OU defense. Defensively much improved. I think that's where the story is for him this season. Credit to uh, Coach Grinch and that, and that defense staff. They're playing hard. They run extremely well. They're multiple in their looks. I think there's a couple guys that really stick out when you turn it on. Their nose guard, Gallimore, uh, he, he has been a real difficult block for everybody they've played against. He's defeating double teams. I mean, he's, he's penetrating uh, in, in, run, in, in rushing defense and getting after the passer. Their Mike linebacker, Murray, uh, runs extremely well. He's making plays sideline to sideline. I think their corners uh, are playing really aggressive. I think they've made big strides since last year. Turned over to special teams. Uh, they're good on all their units. Their kickoff returner, Trey Browns, are starting corner. You know, he's he's a, a, a guy that was a track star in, in high school. Um, he's a threat anytime, big time speed. And then Lamb is their punt returner. So I've already talked about him. And he's got he had a he had one called back against Kansas. He's a threat anytime. So he's we've got to do a great job in our coverage units, needless to say. It has been a rough start for West Virginia. They opened the season against FCS James Madison, and they only won 20-13. to Then they go on the road week two and lose at Missouri, 38-7. to Missouri's not a great team, and they just got their doors blown off. Then everybody expected them to get absolutely pulverized by NC State. The following week, they come home, and they win that thing 44-27. So they've got that thing turned in the right direction. Then they get Kansas in Lawrence. They hang on to win that one 29-24. Then two weeks ago, they're back home against Texas, and it got away from them late. They end up losing that game 42-31. And then same thing last week. They go into the halftime tied with Iowa State 14-14. They were down 21-14 to start the fourth quarter, but they give up 17 points in the fourth quarter and lose 38-14. If you know anything about Neil Brown, though, he's going to stay positive, and he's going to get this thing turned around. It's just going to take a little time. Here's what he said. You know, we're disappointed. We've had back back uh, home losses here were disappointed but it's not doom and gloom in this building I'll say that not down and out we've lost if you look at our record we're three and three we've lost three really good teams I would argue that three of the top 25 teams in the country we're playing 21 freshmen and sophomores right now um, I didn't even know until Monty pointed out to me we started six uh, six red shirt or true freshmen on offense on Saturday our guys are competing we're getting better We'd like it for it to happen a little faster than it's happening, but um, we're not disappointed. We're going to get our guys ready, and we're looking forward to finishing strong. And it starts this week with a, with a tremendous challenge, but a great opportunity when we go to Norman. That's it for today's show. Tomorrow, Locked On Sooners will be back, and we're going to give you the keys to the game. Three ways Oklahoma wins, three ways West Virginia wins. And my favorite part of the week where I get to interact with you, the listener, the reader, the viewer, and that is Ask Hoover. If you want to get in on that, just go to Twitter, find me at John E. Hoover, and throw a hashtag on your question. Hashtag Ask Hoover. Send me your college football question. I'll get it answered, hopefully, right here on the show tomorrow. The Locked On Sooners podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm John Hoover, and you can follow me on Twitter at John E. Hoover, on Facebook at John E. Hoover Media, on YouTube at John Hoover. Find all my columns, stories, blogs, and more at thefranchiseok.com. And don't forget to follow the Locked On Sooners podcast on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. Hit that subscribe button, share your Locked On Sooners podcast with your friends, and I would really love it if you left me a comment or a rating. Thanks for listening. See you guys.